to Something Historical. not a subscriber to the great man theory of history. I don't believe that it requires a great man or woman to make impactful moments, but I do think that important moments reveal important people. doesn't mean these people are great, but they are significant in those critical episodes of history. Caesar and the fall of the Roman Republic, Churchill in the defense of the United Kingdom from Nazi Germany, Lincoln in preserving the Union during Civil War. Flawed, but critically important people revealed by critical situations. The trouble with the great men of history is that they are men. Flawed, challenged, susceptible to just and unjust criticism, we lose a sense of their humanity and view them only as statues. We debate their motives, morals, conduct, and call out their most controversial aspects. Lincoln, the tyrant, Churchill, the racist, Caesar, the war criminal, Defenders emerge on one side, explaining the importance of these great men despite their flaws. Critics emerge on the other side, seemingly wanting to erase their accomplishments from history because of their inevitable controversy. In reality, we must strive to remember that these individuals are humans and not mythical heroes. As humans, they are deeply flawed but that does not mean that they lose their importance. No other man has been more scrutinized, more dissected, more investigated since his era of relevance than Thomas Jefferson. The more important question, the one that in 2019 we obsess over, is not what Jefferson was, but rather what Jefferson is. That is the question that this podcast will try to investigate. Flaws, triumphs, and all. What is Thomas Jefferson to us? Taking down the myth of figures like Jefferson is important to understanding why Jefferson is so relevant to us today in 2019. Revolutionary historian Joseph Ellis opens his book on Jefferson, American Sphinx by saying that all new authors who cover Jefferson should declare their causes? Why cover Jefferson when he is the most written about of all founders? Why go down this road that has been traveled by scholars many, many times before? This podcast's answer to Ellis's challenge is that the road is still there, and it still needs to be traveled. Jefferson is still, 193 years after his death, the most important American in history. Ellis refers to Jefferson as a sphinx, a puzzle, a historical enigma. 
Understanding Jefferson may be a wild goose chase, one that has been tried so many times before. All great presidents, Washington, Lincoln, both Roosevelt's, have been analyzed in the context of today's issues and challenges. What would Lincoln say about this? What would Washington do about this? No one has been more ridiculously applied to today's challenges than Jefferson. What would Jefferson do about climate change? How would Jefferson handle ISIS? How would Jefferson feel about Donald Trump? Jefferson is rolling in his grave about this issue or that. Actually, Jefferson is probably resting quite soundly in his grave at Monticello because Jefferson believed America might not make it out of the 19th century alive. And he was almost correct. We cannot look at Jefferson through today's lens, but we can see why Jefferson still matters. He may not be able to help us with the war on terror or with the opioid crisis, but an understanding of Jefferson may help us to better understand America. Recently, Thomas Jefferson has fallen out of favor with a large number of Americans. His legacy as a slaveholder has left a mark on his character and his influence on liberty. These are valid criticisms that must be evaluated. In the bigger picture, confronting Jefferson on racism and slavery is much easier than confronting it in our own society. Jefferson is dead. He cannot respond. He is an easy target of revision, ridicule, and Monday morning quarterbacking. And in most cases, deservedly so. Our society's fascination with beating a dead Jefferson seems to stem from Jefferson's relevance and his embodiment of what America was, and in some cases still is. In some ways, Jefferson is America, for better or for worse. When was the last time the public criticized President James K. Polk for owning slaves? But Polk has no significant monuments. President William Henry Harrison owned slaves, but he did not double the size of the nation. What about slave owner President James Monroe? Monroe, of course, did not author the most critical document in world history. Jefferson did. We cannot change Jefferson, but we are continually changing how we see him and his impact on our society. How do we know Jefferson is still relevant? It's not the monuments or memes or even his portrayal in the musical Hamilton. It's our never-ending fascination with him. We cannot escape Jefferson. 193 years after Jefferson's death, he is still a topic of discussion and debate. In his New Hampshire Town Hall event on Fox News, presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg was asked a question about renaming the Jefferson-Jackson Democratic Fundraising Dinner because of Jefferson's history, a critical issue in the 2020 election. Andrew Jackson's legacy is just as complicated. He also owned slaves and even shot and killed a man. But the question was about Jefferson's history, not Jackson's. In February of this year, CBS This Morning ran a story about the uniting of two Jefferson grandchildren, one white and the other black. The story ended with the issue of whether or not Jefferson's African-American descendant will be allowed to be buried in the Jefferson Ancestral Graveyard. Smithsonian Magazine has devoted an issue 
to the dark side of Thomas Jefferson, trying to come to grips with how to think and feel about Jefferson in today's society. Our obsession with Jefferson is real, and it won't be leaving anytime soon. And for good reason. The paradox of Thomas Jefferson is the paradox of America. The contradiction of Thomas Jefferson is the contradiction of America. Jefferson still matters. In a lot of ways, how we personally view Jefferson is also how we personally view America. Abraham Lincoln should be considered without question the most important American president. But Thomas Jefferson was and still is the most important American citizen. This podcast will go back down the well-traveled road of Jefferson, hoping to get a better understanding of the man himself, the Enlightenment, self-evident truths, unalienable rights, and America itself. Episode 1, The Pillow. Man is an imitative animal. This quality is the germ of all education in him. His cradle to his grave, he is learning to do what he sees others do. Thomas Jefferson. Think of your earliest memory. For most of us, our earliest memories are simple and ordinary things. Birthdays, Christmas presents, vacations, Jefferson says his earliest memory was being handed up to a slave on horseback and being held on a pillow for the journey. An experience to us that seems extraordinary and surreal. Historian John Meacham points out being a young, wealthy, white male in the first half of the 18th century, the world was your oyster. Thomas Jefferson entered the world on April 13, 1743, at his family home in Shadwell, Virginia. As is the case for any young person, there were critical people and critical moments that molded young Jefferson from birth. Arguably, most important among these, his father. Peter Jefferson was a well-respected Virginian, noted for his character and hard work. There's no doubt the young Thomas Jefferson looked up to and admired his well-respected father. Jefferson's boyhood home was also uniquely situated in between the social and economic epicenters of the coast and the wild, savage frontier of the West that required manliness, power, strength. Peter Jefferson was a planter and surveyor, who had quickly managed to acquire two precious commodities in Virginia, land and slaves. In the British colony of Virginia, 
Wealth and resources were important. So was social standing, honor, heritage, and a growing importance on education. In summary, reputation was critical, and it was something Jefferson was lucky to inherit from both his father and mother. Privilege is certainly a word we can use to describe Jefferson's youth. Did this privilege have an impact on Jefferson's development? And if it did, what impact did it have? Jefferson's first memory gives us important clues. Jefferson was born into a world in which slavery was a well-founded reality, especially for Virginians of Jefferson's standing. In his later wrestlings with slavery, Jefferson says that man is an imitative animal. In his own young life and in his social circle, slavery was an unquestionable fact, both for slave and the privileged slave owner. Jefferson's exposure to slavery from his earliest memory would have made slavery seem normal, unshakable, and expected for his social class. The Jefferson family, through Thomas's grandfather and great-grandfather, had risen through the social ranks of British and Virginian society. As the Jefferson family ascent went in society, so did the expectations and behaviors that accompanied it. A development in tastes for classic literature, furniture and silverware, fine wines, and enlightened conversation. Peter Jefferson contributed to the family ascent by building a reputation of strong character and physical toughness. The Jefferson family told a story of how Peter Jefferson survived in the wilderness when the surveyor party sent out to map the border with North Carolina became lost, disoriented, and low on supplies. Peter Jefferson proved he could survive the challenge and live off the land, a task he gave to his son Thomas when at a young age of 10, he sent the young Jefferson into the woods with nothing to eat to live off the land. Thomas eventually killed a wild turkey and took great pride in that accomplishment for the rest of his life. The best thing that Peter Jefferson did for the Jefferson family heritage was marry, and he married well. Peter married Jane Randolph, Thomas's mother, a daughter of one of the most prominent families in Virginia and possibly all of the colonies. The Randolphs had prestige, power, resources, and land. The Randolphs were accustomed to culture, sophistication, and gentility, all things that Jefferson would come to enjoy in life as well. But in 1757, Peter Jefferson died. Thomas was 14 and had now lost the largest influence in his young life. The rest of Jefferson's development would fall to his strong mother, Jane, and his education. Life for Jefferson would have been slightly different after his father's death. His mother had more prestige and different social connections. Their home burned down and was rebuilt, but it seems as if Jefferson's true influence was his father. Historian John Meacham says that Jefferson hardly even mentions his mother in his writings, saying only that his father and his mother were married and that she was left a widow. Jefferson's relationship with his mother has been questioned and even interpreted as adversarial. 
Perhaps they were not close. Perhaps there was conflict. But Meacham also points out that Jefferson returned to live with his mother while he was home from college. Later, as a practicing lawyer, he did as well, and eventually built Monticello very close to her home at Shadwell. Jefferson's formative education began at nine years old when he studied classic literature and French language. Jefferson was critical of his first teacher for his superficial knowledge. Jefferson's second teacher was much better in his eyes. As is often the case, a good teacher can have a massive impact on a young person. A great teacher, however, can do that and more. They can craft a young mind into a lifelong learner. Jefferson seems to develop a love of learning in his second encounter with education. Jefferson finds a passion for history, Latin, literature, and philosophy. Meacham says that education was so valuable to Thomas Jefferson that he would choose his education over his inherited estate. Lucky for Jefferson, he got both. Through this period of his life, we can also see Jefferson build friendships, and how he easily connects with peers, both male and female. Jefferson was not antisocial and seems to have a few deep friendships that he values. One thing that Jefferson tries to avoid, however, is confrontation. Jefferson tries to avoid personal confrontation at all costs. This is most likely why we will eventually see him rebel with the pen rather than the sword. Jefferson's love of education and learning cannot be overlooked. Like Lincoln, Jefferson sees education as a pathway. I don't want to put words into Jefferson's mouth or thoughts in his head, but I feel as if Jefferson would agree with the idea that knowledge is power. Knowledge and learning can propel someone to a better understanding of life and to great purpose. Of all of Jefferson's eventual enemies... Alexander Hamilton might be number one. Number two would probably have been ignorance. Jefferson reaps the benefits of an education and quality learning, but in a sense, Jefferson is also ignorant. Jefferson is born with advantages and privileges that blind him to slavery and racial issues. Jefferson becomes enlightened in his education, but still remains in the dark when it comes to the issues of race and slavery. It is not till later in Jefferson's life that he begins to realize and struggle with the ignorance and growing understanding with issues of race and slavery. Jefferson's status and privilege at his birth provided him with numerous advantages and benefits. A social mobile family, a connected social circle, safety from danger, a quality education, a plentiful inheritance. But Jefferson's youth is a reminder that not everyone has these advantages from birth. The contrast of a young Jefferson and a young slave 
being born at the same homestead reveals a troubling picture. One with a future, promise, and resources, and the other with none. Both children may as well have been born on different planets. Their experiences will be so different. We cannot fault Jefferson for this. There will be plenty of things to fault him for later. But a child does not choose what situation they're born into, and neither does Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson did not choose the pillow. To Jefferson's credit, though, he takes advantage of his advantages. He embraces education, creates social connections, and matures. In 1760, Thomas Jefferson enrolls in the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. As almost any college graduate can attest, college is often the most formative years of your life. The same can be said for Thomas Jefferson. Peter Jefferson may have had the largest impact on Thomas's youth, but Jefferson's remaining education and the connections it will provide will shape who he becomes. An enlightened, ignorant gentleman. In the next episode, we're going to talk about Jefferson's college years, but more importantly, the connections that he makes. He's going to get involved in government and politics and law, and each of those things is going to form his opinions that we will see start to flesh out in his thoughts, writings, and why the Enlightenment plays such a big part in his life, why Jefferson is so susceptible to Enlightenment ideas even though he comes from this base of privilege, so most of this is entirely uh, opinion and conjecture, which I know doesn't fly in a court of law and probably doesn't apply in a historical discipline. Um, but the research that has been done and the research that will be done in the very near future, especially for episode number two, has revealed a lot of interesting things, and it reinforces the idea that Jefferson and what he represents is something that's worth being talked about. I know that Jefferson is a bit of a controversial subject, and I think that's exactly why it's necessary to do this. Uh, it is a bit like sticking uh, the hand in the hornet's nest, but... I think that's good sometimes. I know you may necessarily not have enjoyed the intro, me waxing poetically about the significance of what Jefferson represents, but I thought it was necessary to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about in episode two and three and four and down the line till we get to Jefferson's death. And then we'll see where we go from there. But, you know, if you're somebody who wants to write off Jefferson just because of his uh, controversial subjects, again, I understand that. But I think you're also kind of missing the point. I'm not, try I'm not here to try to convince you that Jefferson is uh, an amazing person who 
uh, needs to be exalted or something, um, but rather just that he's important to us, what he represents is relevant to us, and that we should understand uh, all that Jefferson is and was. And so some of these tough subjects are going to have to be tackled. If we want to uh, solve the issues that face modern society, we have to be able to become knowledgeable and face things that make us perhaps uncomfortable and aggressively debate. And I think that's something that the founders will reveal to us uh, in later episodes, embracing people and topics that don't necessarily make us comfortable and that we don't agree with. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think we're getting a little bit away from our purpose, figuring out what Jefferson represents to us. So hopefully you got something from this. I know I did. First time podcasting anything. Something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So I need to thank my wife, first of all, because she is a wonderful person who pushes me to do a lot of things. And if you ever hear dogs in the background, um, I will try to edit that out as much as possible. But uh, they're they're there, and they don't always uh, stay quiet. One of them is a English bulldog, Henry, and he is an interesting creature. He will probably make himself known in the background one time or another. He's kind of like the, we'll call him the, the, the lead producer, producer Henry. Uh, he's slobbery and noisy and everything you expect a bulldog to be. And then there's Bernard. Bernard is a Bernese mountain dog. Big, giant baby. You might hear him cry in the background every once in a while. He's crying because there's another dog walking down the street or because he just is so happy, He sometimes he just starts crying. Again, he's a giant baby. You'll probably actually hear him panting since he's got like uh, 15 layers of fur. But I decided to do this because I have a passion for history. I think it's important. I love to teach it. Um, but, you know, there are times when I want to dive deeper into subjects. And I figured some of you might have the same passion. Now, there are a lot of great history podcasts out there already, people who are doing amazing work with incredible research, and I think it's important. So if you are like me and you have considered starting a podcast about some historical topic, I think you should. This may be well listened to and it may not, but I don't really think that is the reason to do it. The reason to do it is that you love the subject. You're passionate about it. There's so many different options. And we can always preserve knowledge. Uh, I'll make mistakes sometimes. And I'll also say things that you might not agree with. But the important thing is, is that we're keeping these topics and these ideas around. And we're keeping them relevant. And uh, so whether you're listening to Hardcore History or Revolutions or History on Fire or any of the other amazing 
historical podcasts that already exist, um, you're you are assisting in keeping the discussion about the past going. Kids ask me a lot, "Why do I need to know history? Uh, you know, what what is it going to do for me in, in the future?" And they ask this about a lot of subjects, math, science, sometimes language. And I guess my answer is because if we don't preserve knowledge, then it ceases to exist. So again, these are just my observations. Most of it is just my observations on Jefferson. Most of it's just my opinion on a lot of these topics, but I thought maybe somebody might find that valuable. And if you are one of those people, thanks. And I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I would love it to uh, keep this historical conversation going. I think that's the goal. So we will release new episodes on Jefferson. We will try to get those out as quickly as possible, but I got to get back to the books. Got to think about some deep subjects. We will also try to put out some different episodes on some different things. I'm really interested in doing interview episodes. So I'll try to find some interesting people to interview. And I'm really interested in doing like micro subjects. So we might talk about different, uh, different episodes of history, different weird elements of it maybe a thematic thing. Who knows? So they're not all going to be Jefferson episodes, and they're not all going to be biographical. We'll do another biography after this. I've already got somebody in mind, and I think he is just as fascinating as Jefferson. And in a lot of ways, I think he's just as important to the modern world as Jefferson is. So stay tuned, because I think there's going to be some cool stuff coming up. So maybe Jefferson Maybe Jefferson isn't your cup of tea. Maybe Jefferson isn't somebody that you really want to know a lot about or learn about. Maybe you know enough about him already. I'm sure a lot of you do, and that's fine. No worries, but stay tuned because there'll be a lot of other stuff coming your way to keep the historical conversation going. This has been Something Historical. Follow the show on Twitter at SMTH Historical.